1: This is the conference operator. Welcome to the Westport Fuel Systems fourth quarter and full year fiscal 2020 conference call. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To join the question queue, you may press star, then one on your telephone keypad. Should you need assistance during the conference call, you may signal an operator by pressing star and zero. I would now like to turn the conference over to Christine Marks, Westport's Investor Relations Representative. Please go ahead.
0: Thank you, and good morning, everyone. Welcome to Westport Fuel Systems' fourth quarter and year-end 2020 conference call, which is being held to coincide with the press release containing Westport Fuel Systems financial results that was distributed yesterday. On today's call, speaking on behalf of Westport Fuel Systems, is Chief Executive Officer David Johnson and Chief Financial Officer Richard Orzietti. Attendance at this call is open to the public and to media, but questions will be restricted to the investment community. You are reminded that certain statements made in this conference call and our responses to various questions may constitute forward-looking statements within the meaning of the US and applicable Canadian securities laws. And as such, forward-looking statements are made based on our current expectations and involve certain risks and uncertainties. Actual results may differ materially from those projected in the forward-looking statements. So you're cautioned not to place undue reliance on those statements. Information contained in this conference call is subject to unqualified in its entirety by information contained in the company's public filing. I'll now turn the call over to David.
2: Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining our conference call to review Westport Fuel System's 2020 results for the fourth quarter and the full year. This is David Johnson speaking. With me on the line today is Richard Orizzetti. Clearly, 2020 was a year filled with challenges. The COVID-19 pandemic challenged the global economy and created headwinds for our business but there were also unexpected opportunities and our global team demonstrated outstanding resilience in responding to both the challenges and the opportunities. In spite of the unprecedented events of 2020, it's gratifying to see that the world's demand for clean, low carbon, cost-effective transportation hasn't wavered. That continuing demand helped us to finish the year strong. Looking back on the past year, the impact of the pandemic was most severe in Q2, when we and our customers had to pause production due to the crisis, Q3 saw some recovery and the strengthening continued in Q4, lifting us to a record quarterly revenue. For the year, revenue was down 17% from our record 2019 full-year revenue. Overall, nearly 90% of that decline was attributed to the COVID-related shutdowns in the second quarter. However, Our Q4 record revenue was a 13% increase versus the same quarter in 2019, driven by a 32% increase in OEM revenue. Looking forward, we're poised for continued positive momentum in 2021, albeit somewhat tempered in the near term by the lingering effects of the ongoing pandemic and by the global supply chain challenges the automotive industry is facing right now. Aside from the COVID-19 challenges, I'm pleased to report that we advanced each one of our 2020 business objectives, including especially sales growth in key market segments and geographies. And overall, we've strengthened the business with balance sheet improvements and cost reductions. In November, we announced new product development work with our current OEM partner to apply HBDI 2.0 to an updated base engine platform designed to meet Euro 6 SEPI regulations that take effect in 2024. We read this as our launch customers' confidence in our HPDI systems and the increasing demand of their fleet customers who are realizing the benefits of our HPDI solutions. Our targets for 2020 and for future growth include progress in China, where our joint venture with Weichai Power secured certification for the WP-12 natural gas engine powered by HPDI 2.0. As one of the largest suppliers of natural gas engines in China, RJE currently supplies spark ignited natural gas engines to leading Chinese commercial vehicle OEMs, and they in turn serve the largest natural gas trucking market in the world. The WP12 HPDI engine certification sets us up to serve that large and growing market as vehicle OEMs complete certifications for their vehicle offerings with our engines. We've also seen growth in India. In 2020, we combined our business with RJV with Minda to better serve the market, and to realize cost efficiencies. We can now offer a broader range of products to this growing CNG market. And also in 2020, we commenced work on developing hydrogen with HPDI. I'll cover that later in more detail. As I said earlier, Q4 sales volumes rebounded very strongly, to nearly $84 million. In particular, our heavy-duty market segment saw very encouraging new sales growth, as fleets and the European trucking industry continue to gain confidence as they realize significant operational cost savings, as well as carbon reduction benefits, made possible with natural gas-fueled HPDI solutions. We finished the year with an HPDI sales rate almost double compared to 2019, and we're on pace for continued growth in 2021. Net income grew to $4.1 million versus $3.4 million in the fourth quarter of 2019. The work we did earlier in the year to shore up our balance sheet, working with our lenders to secure lower cost of capital and access government subsidies, positioned us well to navigate 2020, and we finished the quarter with $64 million in cash and cash equivalents. Some growth trends in transportation underpin our confidence in the coming growth opportunities and perhaps the easiest to understand is the heavy-duty trucking business, where investment decisions are pure business decisions and where fuel price differentials at the pump are driving sales and market share gains today. For heavy-duty, long-haul trucks, weight is absolutely a constraint. The other big constraint is cost. Both weight and cost are big disadvantages for the adoption of battery-elective technology in heavy-duty trucking. Based on physics and economics, it's perfectly clear that the lightest weight vehicles that go the fewest miles and return to home have the potential to transition to battery electric, particularly as global infrastructure development improves. In contrast, heavy-duty long-haul trucks are the least likely or hardest to power with batteries. In general, about half of all trucks sold around the world are heavy-duty long-haul trucks. As populations grow and economic development continues, we'll need to move more freight. The number of trucks will grow, and the performance and cost-effectiveness of lower-carbon solutions will become increasingly critical. In Europe, the market share of alternative fuel trucks increased nearly 40% in 2020, a stark contrast to the overall commercial vehicle market, which declined markedly due to COVID-19. Governments have a critical role to respond to the challenges of climate change and urban air quality, and at the same time, to seize the opportunity to chart a green path to reach their economic development goals. We already see strong regulatory support for transportation, carbon reduction in Europe, India, China, and in parts of the U.S. Governments that properly set the table with economic and regulatory structures focused on goal achievement can unleash and harness market forces to lead our industry on a green path that can scale. I believe, The inability of electric technologies to deliver affordable, effective solutions for heavy-duty long-haul trucking in markets around the world, combined with the urgent need to decarbonize, will drive the growth of HPDI systems. HPDI is ready, in production, for sale, and proven right now. No waiting. The growth in our revenues demonstrates the word has gotten out. HPDI with natural gas and renewable natural gas works, and it works well. It's available now, and it's generating operating cost savings and helping fleets achieve their carbon reduction targets. Fleets vote with their dollars. Take note of what's happening in Europe right now with natural gas and specifically HPDI. China is next. Light-duty OEM sales and our independent aftermarket revenue were slower to rebound, with revenue for the independent aftermarket segment falling 15% relative to the same period last year. In particular, customer demand in Western Europe was impacted due to COVID-19. At this time, we expect to return to 2019 levels with modest growth, thanks to regulatory support in places like Egypt and India and other cost-sensitive markets like Turkey, Russia, and China. I'll use India as an example. India's regulatory commitment to emissions reductions from transportation has not wavered through the COVID-19 pandemic. The stringent Bharat Stage 6 emissions standards came into effect in April 2020 during the lockdown. At the same time, the government has committed to building 1,000 LNG stations in the next three years and is doubling its commitment to natural gas as part of its energy mix. Our largest customer in India, Maruti Suzuki, responded by discontinuing their diesel product lines, which was 30% of their business, a significant commitment to embrace alternative fuels, specifically natural gas. We've seen an uptick for natural gas products across the full suite of offerings in India from the ubiquitous three-wheelers. To up to the heaviest commercial vehicles. Combined with growth in infrastructure and highly cost-conscious consumers who can access a 30 to 50% price savings at the pump for natural gas versus petrol, all of these are excellent market conditions for the success of our products. And in heavy-duty trucking, where fleets replace trucks every three to five years, there simply is no other viable, cost-competitive alternative that can deliver all of the benefits that HPDI does today. Natural gas and renewable natural gas infrastructure continue to grow, also in Europe, now with nearly 400 LNG stations and 4,000 CNG stations. And now we also see investments being made to create a hydrogen refueling infrastructure. Hydrogen use with HPDI is extremely compelling, with near-zero greenhouse gas emissions and much lower cost fuel cell or battery electric trucks, particularly in heavy-duty applications. This provides a pathway from fossil LNG to bio-LNG to green hydrogen. So before I turn the call over to Richard to review financial results, a few highlights of our progress with hydrogen. Although it's rather modest today in the scope of our total revenue, our existing GFI-branded hydrogen business, supplying components to Plug Power, Ballard, and others, grew by 75% in 2020. According to the Hydrogen Council, the total addressable market for hydrogen is about $150 billion. $150 billion while costs for producing green hydrogen have fallen 50% between 2015 and 2020. So far, hydrogen is produced close to where it's used, and there is limited dedicated transportation infrastructure today. There are only about 5,000 kilometers of hydrogen pipelines around the world in 2016. Compare this with over 3 million kilometers for natural gas. In 2020, worldwide, there were less than 500 hydrogen refueling stations, a good start. Compare this with existing and growth plans for natural gas infrastructure in Europe, India, and China, as I mentioned earlier. There's work to be done with hydrogen. But support for hydrogen infrastructure development is growing, with commitments announced in China, Japan, and Germany. Hydrogen appears to be well suited for heavy duty trucking applications where ranges over 400 kilometers are common, and fast filling is important for the operator. A few weeks ago, we published a joint white paper with AVL sharing our initial modeling for thermal efficiency and total cost of ownership. We are confident that the high-efficiency hydrogen internal combustion engines have the potential to financially outperform fuel cell EVs in terms of total cost of ownership and also lowers the cost of CO2 avoidance, which is especially relevant in jurisdictions with carbon taxes and other penalties for high emissions. Earlier this month, we announced successful first trials of a hydrogen-fueled internal combustion engine with HPDI. Our test cell in Vancouver ran an engine at peak torque and rated power. Combustion was stable and controllable. Initial test results are highly encouraging and confirm that HPDA with hydrogen in an internal combustion engine is comparable in efficiency to fuel cells in heavy-duty applications. With this early success, fueling our enthusiasm, we'll continue to collect more data. Technical results were shared and reviewed by independent experts at the upcoming Vienna Motor Symposium late next month. We also announced a project with Scania to commence development work on their internal combustion engine fueled by hydrogen. We're designing and preparing for that testing program, which we expect to commence in the fourth quarter. According to a recent research report by Morgan Stanley, if hydrogen truck sales account for just 10% of global sales by 2030, that would equate to per annum growth of 30% in the next five years alone and provide a significant runway of growth over the next decade. Capturing just a fraction of this growth is meaningful for Westport fuel systems. The potential for OEMs and others to avoid new and significant investments required to develop and manufacture fuel cells, electric motors, and batteries is incredibly exciting and compelling. Other high-load applications like mining, green, and rail have come to rely on the efficiency, power, durability, and reliability of diesel engines. And there is no other alternative that offers the same potential to leverage established supply chains manufacturing investment and infrastructure and economies of scale. Now, let me turn it over to Richard to review a few of our financial results.
3: Thank you, David. As David mentioned, our record revenues were higher 13% year over year due to strong sales volumes from HPDI systems and a 7% increase in the Euro to US dollar exchange rate. We also saw a strong recovery in our light duty OEM revenues during the quarter an increase of 44% over the third quarter, 2020, due to sales in India and Russia. The strength in sales activity in the quarter was partially offset by large one-time contractual price reductions in our contract with our initial launch partner in the fourth quarter of 2019 and lower year-over-year independent aftermarket revenues, still recovering from the impact of COVID-19 on sales volumes. Gross margin decreased mainly due to lower margins realized year-over-year on HPDI systems, lower HPDI engineering services and lower independent aftermarket sales, partially offset by the large increase in HPDI sales volumes. Net income benefited from 2.7 million in higher income from a strong quarter in our CWI joint venture due to lower operating expenses. And also a $5.3 million unrealized foreign exchange gain compared to $2.6 million in the prior year. We generated higher year-over-year adjusted EBITDA of $8.1 million, bolstered by strong quarterly performance from CWI and lower operating expenses. Our adjusted operating cash flow, which includes the dividends received from CWI, decreased year-over-year due to increased working capital, resulting from a buildup of receivables on higher sales volumes and inventory for our heavy-duty OEM business. Revenues were lower year-over-year due to the pandemic's impact on independent aftermarket, light-duty OEM, and delayed OEM since the pandemic's outbreak. This was partially offset by strong sales growth in the second half of 2020 in our heavy-duty OEM business unit selling the HPDI systems to our initial launch partner.
4: This is net of
3: price concessions and lower engineering services work, which all had a direct impact on gross margins. There was a further impact to gross margins of a $3.2 million charge taken on two pressure release device field service actions as well. Equity income from CWI decreased slightly in 2020, mainly due to the impact of COVID-19 and the related OEM shutdowns in the first half of the year. Despite a challenging year, a net loss of 7.4 million was mitigated from government subsidies of 6.1 million cost reductions from austerity measures and a $4.3 million unrealized foreign exchange gain. Net income in 2019 included a $3.3 million one time gain and a $2.5 million unrealized foreign exchange gain. Operating cash flow and adjusted operating cash flow were significantly below 2019 year over year due to the impact of COVID-19. Multiple financing efforts, government support and austerity measures mitigated this impact to secure the liquidity of Westport fuel systems. Overall, EBITDA continues to be positive. Notwithstanding the many challenges we faced in the first half of 2020, the positive trend in our EBITDA and adjusted EBITDA reflects the commitment of management to deliver sustainable growth. Our product portfolio and the performance of our team continues to strengthen and I'm encouraged by our progress on the pathway to sustainable profitability. Now turning to our business segments, OEM revenue for the three-month and year-ended December 31, 2020, was 58.8 million and 149.6 million, compared to 44.7 million and 164.7 million for the same periods in 2019. Revenue growth in the current quarter largely reflected an increase in sales volumes in the heavy-duty OEM business from our initial launch partner, combined with a 7% increase in the Euro to US dollar exchange rate that I mentioned. This was partially offset by the price reductions of our HPDI product. The year over year decrease in OEM revenue for the full year 2020 is mainly due to the impact of planned shutdowns in response to the COVID-19 pandemic in the first half of the year, combined with lower light duty OEM sales to our German and Russian OEM partners. OEM gross margin increased by 1.3 million to 6.6 million or 11 percent of revenue for the fourth quarter 2020, which compared to 5.3 million or 12 percent of revenue for the fourth quarter 2019. The current quarter benefited from volume discounts from HBI component suppliers achieved at the end of the year and recognized during the quarter. Turning to our independent aftermarket business. Independent aftermarket revenue for the fourth quarter of 2020 was $25.1 million and $102.9 million for the full year 2020, compared with $29.6 million and $140.6 million for the same prior year periods. The year-over-year declines in revenue for the IAM business segment are primarily due to the continuing impact of COVID-19 on customer demand in Western Europe and the related shutdowns in the second quarter of 2020, partially offset by the stronger Euro to US dollar exchange rate. Independent aftermarket gross margin decreased by 2.1 million to 6.4 million or 25% of revenue for the current quarter compared to 8.5 million or 29% of revenue for the same period in 2019. The decrease in gross margin and gross margin percentage was due to lower sales caused by the impact of COVID-19 on customer demand in the higher margin markets of Western Europe. Now turning to our CWI joint venture, revenue from our CWI joint venture for the fourth quarter decreased by 6.5 million to 96 million or 6% versus the same period last year due to lower engine sales during the quarter. Unit sales were lower for full year 2020 compared to the prior year, reflecting the impact of OEM factory shutdowns in April and May in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Despite the lower revenues, gross margin for the fourth quarter 2020 was slightly higher year over year at $28.5 or 30% of revenue. The increase in gross margin and gross margin percentage resulted primarily from product mix, which more than offset lower revenues in the current year quarter. Net income for the fourth quarter 2020 increased by $5.3 million to $18.8 million, or 39% higher over the same period last year, primarily reflecting lower operating expenses combined with the increase in gross margin. Westport fuel Systems' share of CWI's net income for the fourth quarter 2020 increased to $9.4 million from 6.7 million in the same period last year. Now, turning to our balance sheet and liquidity. As mentioned earlier, we have made significant strides to secure the liquidity of Westport fuel systems through the past year, which included the restructuring of our convertible debt held by the Cartesian Group. Due to the significant appreciation of Westport fuel Systems' share price, the Cartesian Group converted 7.5 million of the $10 million in debt outstanding. Five million dollars in the fourth quarter of 2020 and 2.5 million dollars in the first quarter of 2021. As part of our efforts to improve our liquidity and funding we are also actively managing our debt profile to align that to our long-term capital investment needs and discussing with our lenders about modifying or renewing some of our term loans to extend terms and improve borrowing rates based on our improving credit profile. Under the -the at-the-market program that was launched after we released the third quarter results last year, we issued five million shares at an average price of $5.48 for net proceeds of $27 million in equity from the period of November 2020 to January 2021. This equity raise has significantly ameliorated the liquidity of the company to operate as a going concern in the near term and provides a buffer against the continuing challenges of COVID-19. Recently, we have issued a preliminary base shelf perspective to issue shares from time to time during the 25-month period that this perspective is effective, up to $400 million. Due to the outlook of significant growth of our HPDI sales volumes with our initial launch partner and with Weichai, there will be a need for investment to augment production capacity, as well as continued investment in the evolution of our technology and potential expansion of the application of the technology in other industry verticals beyond on-road transportation. We are also excited about the potential industrial and clean energy benefits from applying our HPDI technology in an internal combustion engine using hydrogen. Based on our current and long-term prospects, we anticipate additional investments in these opportunities that potentially can create shareholder value and benefits for our current and potential customers. With that, I turn it back to you, Damon.
2: Thank you, Richard. To recap, I'm immensely proud of our team and the substantial progress we made on our business plan throughout 2020, despite COVID-19. In 2021, our focus will be on continued growth at scale in key markets. For HPDI, that means Europe, China, and then North America. And for our light-duty business, profitable growth through the aftermarket and OEM channels in markets like Turkey, Russia, Egypt, India and other cost-sensitive markets where our products resonate strongly with the need to deliver affordable transportation and reduce emissions. The market fundamentals are in place. Societal expectations and regulatory requirements demand a response to the need for clean, cost-effective, carbon-reducing transportation, and our products provide that response. They're developed, validated, in production for sale, and in use today, and they meet customers' demands. Operational excellence and exceptional customer service will continue to guide our efforts as well as innovation at the forefront of clean transportation solutions. As Richard said, we think it's a good indicator that at the current rate of growth for HPDI in the heavier the OEM business, we'll need to expand production capacity and also fund growth potential of emerging technologies such as hydrogen HPDI. I'm confident in our team, and we're committed to delivering value for our customers and shareholders. With that, I'd like to turn it back to the operator for your questions.
1: Thank you. We will now begin the question and answer session. Analysts who wish to join the question queue may press star, then 1 on your telephone keypad. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press star, then 2. We will pause for a moment as callers join the queue. Our first question comes from Eric Stein of Craig Hallam. Please go ahead.
6: Hi, everyone. Good morning, Eric. Good morning. Um, so just wondering if you can start on, on hydrogen. You've had a pretty busy start to the year. I mean, clearly this this started in 2020, but in terms of what you've shared um, publicly in the Scania announcement, just curious what that has meant for your development pipeline Um, you know I know you've got a number of of potential uh, partners looking at LNG but uh, giving them the additional path to hydrogen you know just curious what that's meant
2: yeah thanks for the question Eric I think it's a really important dynamic for us because uh, in the marketplace um, there are customers uh, there are OEMs out there uh, who thought let's skip it and go straight to hydrogen And uh, I think uh, now seeing that actually HPDI with hydrogen is not only a a good solution, but perhaps a a far better solution. One that enables them to reuse all their industrial complex that's already built. All the engine plants, all the transmission plants, uh, all that capability and know how they have with respect to internal combustion engines can now be used with hydrogen based on our initial test results. Of course, there's work for us to do, but I think, um, you know, Companies and OEMs that we work with are um, you know, technically focused and engineering-driven in terms of products, and the test results are, are very, very strong. I expect a, a further bounce uh, when we get to reveal all the test results at the Vienna Motor Symposium uh, late next month. So it's, a, I think, a very important dynamic for us and uh, changes, changes the, uh, the positioning of our product as a long-term viable zero-carbon product uh, for transportation and long-haul specifically.
6: Got it. And then maybe just sticking with HPDI and and, in the current offering with your current partner. Um, Well, I guess, number one, I know you don't give out units, but anything you can share? I mean, it, it seemed if I'm trying to back into some kind of a number, it seems like, you know, it was you did see sequential growth in the quarter. So maybe if you could confirm that and then maybe just talk about, you know, with the baseline being set, Uh, last July 1st. I mean, how much has that been a part of the growth Um, in addition to obviously fleets just starting to roll out more units?
2: I think there's a whole bunch of dynamics that play out there are playing out and will continue to play out. And one of them is the regulation. Another one is the I would say normal fleet adoption cycle with respect to uh, new technology like HPDI is for commercial trucking. Um, what we saw, you know, clearly uh, we shut down and our customers shut down in Q2, and, and that included our, our lead HBI customer in Europe. And, uh, you know, that was it was a, a very slow and difficult time for us. But uh, when uh, Q3 uh, started up and factories restarted, you know, I, I think there's a, a clear picture recognizing that 13% lower revenues in Q3 uh, versus 2019 and 13% higher revenues in Q4 versus uh, 2019. So I think you know, this kind of trend of 13% lower, 13% higher gives you a flavor for what was happening. And uh, as we mentioned in our, in our discussion, you know, that, uh, that call or that uh, number was really driven by, uh, by our OEM business. So uh, with that, uh, you know, I think you can kind of, as you say, back into some analysis, but as you say, we don't uh, talk about uh, the details of our, our, uh, our volume, unfortunately.
6: Okay, got it. Fair enough. Um, maybe last one for me. You know, you you have talked about the investment, um, and and it sounds like it's both some internal, but also, uh, you know, doing some or, or some steps within the supply chain. I mean, is that should we take that as as securing more capacity for injectors? Is it is it more on the tank side? I mean, maybe just dig into the into kind of all the things that you're referencing there, if you could.
2: Yeah, of course, we sell a complete system from the tank to the injector and some electronics along along the line. Uh, we have uh, capacity challenges in various uh, parts of the system. Injector is a big part of it for sure. Um, we use six in every engine, of course. So, um, you know, that is, uh, you know, we're excited uh, about this. Challenge to our our business to say, Hey, you need to grow your capacity to respond to demand, and thinking that you know at this point in time we're servicing one customer in one market of the world, and uh, the potential for growth with respect to the chinese market is is really tremendous. Uh, you know, we've talked about that uh, this is already in the world the largest natural gas trucking market, and uh, the infrastructure there is built out. We are, through our JV, the leading manufacturer of natural gas engines for commercial vehicles, and those are spark ignited engines. And so, when you bring the superior product of HPDI, which uh, improves the economics for the operator, uh, reduces the carbon footprint. And we've already developed and validated in the European market. So uh, we're, we're looking forward to that launch and the volume curve that comes along with that. So we will uh, uh, be investing. We are investing in expanding that capacity. And uh, we think that's something that we've been looking to forward to for some time and are glad uh, the time has come. Okay, thanks a lot. Thank you, Eric.
1: Our next question comes from Colin Rush of Oppenheimer and Company. Please go ahead.
3: Thanks so much, guys. Um, you know, in China, can you just speak to the
2: the expected cadence of the ramp and and what that might uh do to gross margins as you guys scale up from uh reasonably low volumes? Yeah, the uh I think the the speculating and forecasting the ramp is is very challenging, but uh I, I do expect that uh, we'll uh, be able to witness that this year and hopefully soon. Uh, basically, uh, we have this opportunity with our JV to supply all the OEMs in China. We have a unique product that uh, should be appealing to many OEMs in China. You know That differs from our European market uh, where we have just the one OEM and it's a vehicle OEM. Uh, and so that dynamic is different, and then it 's also the largest market. so I do think, and we 're going into it with a product that 's you know had uh, multiple years of experience in europe, so there 's more confidence globally in our industry around industry around the product. So I think we can expect a a, a steeper curve, uh, but yet at the same time it's still a launch curve. So uh, not a lot of specificity there for you, but uh, I I think uh, it's important for us and it is factoring into our equations with respect to uh, growing our capacity to support that expected demand. Uh, In terms of margins, uh, I won't make any specific comments at this point in time, but the key ingredient for us is to grow the volume to get the economies of scale that will improve our margins. And uh, launching in China is a very important part of that equation for us.
4: Okay. Thanks so much guys. And then can you just give us a a, a state of the
2: state on how you're thinking about the medium duty market? Um certainly uh there's a lot going on all across the, the different class of vehicles, but as you have uh, you know the potential to to address, you know, both natural gas and hydrogen, it seems there's probably an opportunity for you
4: to, to creep into some different vehicle designs as you go forward. So just wondering where you're at with uh with that opportunity.
2: Yeah, the medium duty market is, I'll say two things, uh, more fragmented, and I'll say more economically challenged in terms of, you know, uh, in order for the economics to work for our any fuel based uh, product like ours, where we're saving money every mile you drive, the more you drive, the more mass you carry, the quicker you get your payback. So. You know that's where uh you know in the medium duty market it is more challenging uh there's more diversity of applications some which don't go very far at all, and some which uh you know approach kind of i don't know half the distance of long haul so you know quite a significant reduction uh they also lo- use the vehicles longer tend to have longer uh cycles for their for their uh, uh turning over the fleet so I do think there are opportunities there uh clearly uh that's on our radar. But I think uh, actually with HPDI, uh, we could see the opportunity to move in the other direction towards mining uh, and rail and other applications that are kind of bigger engines and really see excellent economics there um, with HPDI.
4: That's super helpful. Thanks so much, guys.
2: Thank you, Colin.
1: Our next question comes from Rob Brown of Lake Street Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
3: Uh, good morning. Good morning. Uh, just, just following up on the European market, uh, maybe if you could give some uh, more color in terms of the demand drivers there. Are you seeing this uh, any RNG activity in that market, or is this uh, uh, sort of a cost-savings-driven market, maybe just a sense of, of what the demand drivers
2: are in that market? Yeah, I think um, for sure. Okay, so we have to just be real clear, right? It's still trucking. So, so you know, the economics are the, the supreme uh, ingredient, I'll say, after you're confident in the technology and the product to deliver the reliability, durability that the truck fleets expect. You know, if you can't deliver the freight, it doesn't matter how efficient it is or how clean it is. So that's number one. Number two is the economics. And then I would say, you know, in Europe especially, there is a tremendous uh, societal uh, pressure and and momentum with respect to greening transportation. And this works for us both on the front of our current product with LNG as well as the potential for that product to respond to uh, zero carbon hydrogen, green hydrogen in the future. So I think uh, those dynamics are are very much in our favor and we're really happy to be uh, with our partner in Europe and to have launched when we did and be able to ride this this, uh, pressure in the marketplace and to do it on the basis of a great product that delivers for the fleets and saves them money.
3: Okay, good, uh, Thank you. And then on the, on the capacity additions you're, you're thinking about, uh, could you give us a sense of the, the scaling there? Is it a doubling, tripling, kind of multiple current capacity, or, or how do you sort of see that overall uh, capacity addition uh, playing out in the next year or so?
2: Yeah, it's a it's a really important uh, parameter to manage for any supplier is to match your capacity with your demand as closely as possible. Uh, we don't want to be running uh, any part of our manufacturing system or our suppliers' manufacturing system at 10% of capacity, and we also don't want to run into a bottleneck where we can't supply the demand that occurs. So um, that's the, the general equation. As we look at it, we are uh, expecting multiples of, of growth uh, because right now we're moving from one customer one market to two customers or maybe three or four when you think about the vehicle OEMs in China that we'll be able to serve. And so we, uh, we're we making those plans carefully, but uh, there's also some challenge. So I think you can imagine uh, that we'll be uh, leaning forward a bit on capacity so that we can serve every unit of demand that uh, eventually does come to us in the near term.
3: Okay, thank you. I'll turn it over.
2: Thanks, Rob.
1: Our next question comes from Amit Dayal of HC Wainwright. Please go ahead.
4: Thank you. Morning, David. Hi, Richard. Um, with
3: Morning. respect
4: to cadence of revenues in 2021, how should we think about you know the quarterly revenue uh, that um, you know may play out? Given that you are seeing recovery in your segments, you know HPDI is getting traction, but at the same time there are some um, supply chain challenges that are also in the market right now. So any color on how to model for? The next four quarters would be helpful. Thank you.
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely Uh, glad to kind of try to paint a picture a little bit of what we expect. First of all, uh, we are still dealing uh, with uh, some COVID situations around the world. Uh, We're fully recognizing uh, how wonderful the vaccines are and we expect those to have an effect. But in the meantime, you know, our factories uh, in Italy, for example, and our customers around those factories and so forth and our distributors, they're in uh, orange and red zones. And so that, that uh, COVID impact is still with us. And we see that affecting our, our light duty and our aftermarket business. Uh, on the heavy duty side, uh, we, uh, we've seen a, a bit more stabilization. And you can see that the growth is coming through in, in kind of the fourth quarter. And uh, we expect a, a good year for HPDI uh, going forward. Um, and then maybe the other thing that's important to mention is that, uh, as you've heard from in the media, there are supply-side challenges that uh, all the OEMs are facing. And that includes us, and we're managing that on a, on a daily basis to try and make sure that we can meet our customers' demand. Uh, But I I think there is risk that that could impact us and and constrain us in in, uh, some days, some weeks, uh, hopefully not any months from uh, uh, achieving everything we want to achieve in in 2021. I think uh, we aren't back to full normal. And so kind of the normal um, seasonality you might see and expect will be still perturbed by COVID this year. Um, And I think those are kind of the factors at least that are on my mind with respect to the, the market outlook for 2021.
4: But that's helpful. Thank you so much, David. And then, um, you know, Richard talked about some concessions uh, on the margin front that may have been provided in the fourth quarter. Are these behind the company, and do we see gross margins bouncing back in 2021 relative to the fourth quarter?
3: Yeah, the the price reductions were were made in the fourth quarter of 2019, and they and they were significant, and we saw. The, Sort of muted the sort of the growth uh, that that we had, especially in the second half. Going into the new year, there was a you know there was a question with Chat. We can't go into specific contracts, but there is we'll call it a little bit of near term gross margin pressure that then yields to uh, to better economics as uh, as more volume starts ramping up and the numbers start getting um, significant. That we have contractual price uh, savings with our our supplier base.
4: Okay. Um, just one last one, I guess. Then, uh, with respect to the China milestones for 2021, um, can you share any any you know key highlights that we should be looking for?
2: Yeah, in China, I think uh, we've uh, we've made good progress. Of course, we had substantial delays through 2020 with COVID, and and. Uh, other other challenges with uh, the certifications but uh, we expect to see the certification on the vehicle side shortly and uh, and then thereafter so through this year uh, start the project uh, process of launch and production and sales so uh, we're looking forward to that but I don't, don't have any
4: more specifics to offer you than that today okay understood thank you David that's all I have thanks Amit
1: our next question comes from Thomas Boyce of Cohen and Company. Please go ahead.
3: Hi, thanks for uh, for taking my questions. Most have been asked, but I wanted to so um, to maybe just follow up on the the last question about know, China, um, just because obviously you're going the, the certification through the Weichai JV was accomplished at the OEM level. How long do those tests usually take on their side? Is it is it different to, for everyone who's testing the engine, or is most of them completed in, say, a quarter or something like
2: that? Yes. Yeah, so, I think the, the process is, is not a short process, uh, but we are aware that the uh, there are cases with the specific OEMs where the testing is complete. So, uh, then it's just a matter of, uh, let's say, getting the uh, the paperwork through the officials and having them bless it and issue the certification. And um, I can't comment on those timelines. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's challenging for for us to see, and it's also challenging for the uh, for our JV and, and the OEMs to see into that process. Uh, but uh, the, the testing is done uh, at least in in uh, one case.
3: Perfect. And then um, you know it was nice to see. I think it was Amazon had ordered around 700 vehicles through the JV with Cummings. I was just wondering if you could talk maybe how, how that business was secured and you, how you're seeing potential discussions with other customers just you know
2: obviously given the rise of e commerce from the pandemic um how the markets even yeah, I think it was a a real promising report from Reuters about uh that that order uh because I think what it says is uh that fleets large fleets uh in north america uh consider and 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 according to the report are purchasing. Uh, natural gas product uh, to green their fleet. You know the economics in North America because our fuel prices are relatively low and the fuel price differentials not so great. The economics are uh, are more challenging and not as compelling. Nonetheless, you have a, a big fleet, whether it's UPS uh, who made their, their announcement previously and, and now this report from Reuters about what Amazon uh, uh, is doing. You know these are uh, really good signs that the uh, fleets are taking their responsibility with respect to carbon emissions very seriously and taking action and recognizing that natural gas is an important part uh, and an important step and and works for them in their fleet operations, where, again, even for uh, Amazon UPS or any other fleet in North America, the number one thing is get the freight there on schedule and uh, don't, uh, don't pass up uh, capability and uh, reliability uh, to, to try and get to low cost uh, or green. And so, you know, I'm real compelled and real excited about the opportunities in North America, and we look forward to uh, the chance to bring HPDI to North America and uh, go a step further than you can with a spark embedded natural gas engine.
4: Fantastic. Appreciate it. Thank you.
2: Thanks, Thomas.
1: This concludes the question and answer session. I would like to turn the conference back over to Christine Marks for any closing remarks.
0: Thank you, Operator, and thank you, everyone, for joining us today. If you do have any follow-up questions, please feel free to reach out to us at the Westport Investor Relations Team Hotline, and thanks again so much for your interest in Westport Fuel System.
1: This concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating, and have a pleasant day.